98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Longtime NBA reporter Mark J. Spears was on ESPN yesterday, and then he was on Bickley and Murata this morning. And as we welcome you into the 3 o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo show here, obviously, Suns are on a lot of our minds right now because of the weird, awkward, unusual start to the season, right? Training camp started today. Yesterday, it was media day. Robert Sarver was topic number one. Jay Crowder was topic number two. DeAndre Ayton and his kind of funky mood yesterday was topic number three, and of course there was still kind of leftover residual angst from how the season ended against Dallas and the, you know the, how they collapsed in Game 6 and Game 7. There's a lot of stuff going on with the Phoenix Suns yes. right now, right? I mean, just yeah. And then you add in the day what happened with DeAndre saying that he and Monty haven't spoken since Game 7 and Monty confirming that he and DA haven't spoken since Game 7. That's and bad sign. You can, you, you, if you're a Suns fan, you can be forgiven for feeling a little uneasy about this basketball team right now. You, you will get a pass from the two of us if you feel a little uneasy about the state of your basketball team right now because there's Listen. just a lot of, lot of funky stuff going on with these guys. Listen, the Clippers are going to be a lot better. The Nuggets are going to be a lot better. You've still got Golden State, New Orleans with Zion. Did you see Zion? It looks like he worked out a little bit. He's a, a lot of that. Yeah, a little doesn't bit. look like the baby fat kid anymore. Uh-huh. Zion back. New Orleans, who gave the Suns fits, are going to be better. The Timberwolves are going to be better. The Grizzlies are already good. Dallas will take a step back. Utah will take a step back. But this West... Like I'll tell you right now, I I, don't, I, I do not believe the Suns can will, will be the number one seed in the West. I don't even know if they'll be the number two seed. Like if you ask me right now, I'm looking at three. I just don't know if they could get one or two. But let's uh, you know, let's see. But it's going to be tough. Like we just know it's going depending on health. Like it's going to be a gauntlet going through the West this year. The mood was kind of set yesterday by the media day for all the reasons that I just mentioned. Mark J. Spears, again, longtime NBA insider, was on ESPN yesterday, and then Bickley and Murata this morning. When he was on ESPN yesterday, he called it the saddest media day he's ever called. I've been covering the NBA since 99. I've been to a lot of these media days, and this was the most dour, the saddest media day that I have ever attended. It, it, it felt more like a, a funeral. Wow. <laughs> like, that's like that's not, listen, it's media day. Let's not put too much into it, okay? I mean, it's freaking media day. I mean, it was the saddest media day. Okay? I mean, obviously, the Monty DA thing took center stage. And listen, I think that they... I think they were all bracing for the questions about Robert Sarver and the ownership group. And they also got beat by Dallas in game seven. Like, I didn't think they'd come in all happy-go-lucky. Like, the season ended on an incredibly sour note. Like, one of the that was one of the worst ends to a Phoenix Suns basketball season that we may have ever had. It's one of the worst ends. Now, you can go back to when they lost to the Bulls and everything. Game seven at home to the Dallas Mavericks and getting punked like that. That's yeah. one of the it's one of the five worst losses in the history of the Suns organization end of season. And I don't even know what the other ones are, but I'm just going to you know easily put that in the top five. The way that season ended, man, that was a long off season for those guys. And then you've got, you know, the, the Robert Sarver, the investigation, the owner's going to sell the team. You've got Javel's gone. Jay wants out like I didn't you, I didn't. I didn't think everybody was going to show up and be singing Kumbaya. No, and and you're right. It 
is just media day. And I look, I got a lot of respect for Mark J. Spears. I'm going to play a couple cuts from him when he was on Bickley and Murata this morning to kind of flesh it out a little bit more. But we were, we were all talking about it, the four of us as a show before we went on the air. And I, I think it was kind of, it was Eric who brought up the point that, I mean, think about everything that's going on with this organization that they, they might not want to, to strike a real celebratory tone. Hey, we're back. Woohoo. Let's play basketball. You know, the, the owner has to sell the team because of racist language and misogynistic behavior and employees for the organization are, are hurt and they've been wounded and, and they're, you know, it's, it's a sensitive time right now for the Suns. And I don't know if you could blame the Suns players for wanting to treat yesterday delicately. I think they were being cautious. Yeah. I think they were just being very cautious. I mean, you gotta, you gotta Really be careful with your words. Like Booker was, you know, this question's going to come, and you probably played it through in your head a thousand times. What am I going to say? How am I going to say it? And so I think that 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 led to it. I, I'm not going to sit there like Mark Spears on. Oh, it was such a sad. I, I don't know that that means much. I'm more concerned with the Monty Da relationship overall. Chris Paul will be fine. Mikael Bridges will be fine. Cam Johnson will be fine. You know, Devin Booker will be fine. A lot of these guys are going to be fine. Yeah. So I'm not really worried about them. Well. Fast forward to this morning when Spears was on the Bickley and Murata show here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. And he said, make no mistake, this is a very dangerous Suns team. Everybody's under contract now, so there, there is no contract issue. The Sarver situation hopefully away soon. And they can just focus on basketball. So this is, to me, a very, very dangerous team. I am not sleeping on the Suns in the least. See, now this is what I wanted to hear. I'm not sleeping on the Suns that, in the least. This yeah. is, I wanted to hear that, that this was kind of not the kumbaya I was looking for, but I would have thought. And again, media day is just media day. You're 100% right about that. But now that the server impediment has been cleared for the most part, you can just go out and play basketball. Everybody's been signed. Everybody got paid. Everybody got Cam Johnson. And I expect, I would think that gets taken care of at some point. Everybody got their bag, and now you can just go out there and play and be free of it. But it's you're still waiting for a move. Like you know, a move's going to happen. You know, one of your guys, one of your brothers, is going to get traded here any minute. You know, you know, at any minute, one of your guys is going to get traded. I, th- I think by Friday, I'd be surprised if they don't have something done by Friday. Um, you talk about Jay now. Jay, like, you know, so you, you, know you brace for that, too. I mean, you've got to answer those. Listen, you've got a prominent player in your team that doesn't want to be there. Like, so you got that. You've got an owner who's got to sell his team. You've got uh, still, I mean, obviously a, 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 a tough relationship between the head coach and, and one of your key players and DeAndre. Like, so, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's not perfect going into the season. But... It is what it is. And I think once they, once they play, right, once you, you know, once you, you get on that court and you stop playing, I think you, I think they'll be able to wipe out everything and go out there and play basketball with the ultimate goal of trying to win a championship. And that was something else that Mark said when he was on with Dan and Vince this morning is that, that Aiton, he's not upset. He's just, he's taking a more business-like approach to this season. I got the sense from talking to him that he's really going to be business-like. I don't, I don't think it's going to affect how he plays. Or, but I, I think he feels like, all right, this really is a business. It's not just family, and th- like I, I think that's where perhaps he changed is. He sees the business side, and now he probably will be more business-like as well and realize that at any point, he could be traded at any point. They could make a business decision. So I, hopefully that joyous, fun guy is back, man. I like that dude. 
But that, I think once the press conference was over and he got with his teammates, he was back to being the happy-go-lucky well, guy. And anybody who was there, and in full admission, you and I weren't there. But yeah, Kellen, Gerald, others who cover this team every day all made the point in the stories that they wrote that as soon as DeAndre was done meeting with the media, yeah, to your point, he was DeAndre again. Yeah. He was joking around with teammates. He was laughing when they were taking pictures. He, it, it almost like that was, that was, not that that was an act, but when he sat down in front of the media, it was almost like a conscious decision to say, I'm going to be like this in front of you. And I think it was even Kellen in the story that he wrote at ArizonaSports.com who pointed it out. Look, a lot of the people who were asking questions of DeAndre Ayton yesterday were the same ones who were kind of criticizing him over the summer. And so he might not have been in a great mood to answer their questions. Now, of course, all of this happened before today. And today, Ayton went from, why is he being kind of quiet in his press conference at media day to, why? Why has he not spoken to his head coach since Game 7 against the Mavs? I, I and why has Monty not spoken to his star center since Game 7? The, 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 the Andre Ayton story has changed dramatically in the last 24 hours since his moodiness at yesterday's media day. I mean, did you ever hold a grudge and not talk to somebody? I guess I have. Yeah, I have. But, yeah, I yeah, mean... I that's a, like that's a t- and if you got to work with that person, that's a tough. Like that's tough. Shit's tough, right? It makes it really, really tough. I mean, I didn't talk to you for years, and then they put us together to work to do a show, and like, all right, like, who was? I was wondering who was going to say it first. You about me or me about you? <laughs> no, nah, who's going to make the joke first? No, nah, I mean, I, but you know, you just. I mean, everybody probably has that. You probably got people at work you don't like, or somebody you don't talk to, or sure, you don't see eye to eye on politics. You don't see eye to eye on anything in life or whatever, and so you don't talk to that person. It doesn't make it doesn't make for a, a happy workplace, a no, great environment. It, no, especially when you're you know you're on team planes together, you're in locker rooms together, yeah. you're in huddles together. It's the it's the coach player dynamic. No, it's it's got to get resolved. That's got to get that's got to get fixed. That's not a good start at all. When we come back, Baker Mayfield. Honestly, somebody I personally thought would benefit from the change of scenery. Yeah, um, about that. <laughs> that's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Really good defense. A division that didn't look all that great. A quarterback who was a former number one overall pick who had kind of grown stale in the city that he was in. I thought Baker Mayfield to the Carolina Panthers was going to be a big success story. I really did. I, I thought it's this three. We had three games know, in. It's a I new know. team. He's got to get used to him. I wouldn't. Yeah, it's, it's not off to a good start. No, I mean, it's not it's, off to a good start. It's not off to, I, I'm not writing it off yet, and I'm not rooting for it. I just It was one of those, like when you look around the NFL landscape and you kind of think, okay, where's a team that might surprise some people who might be a little bit better than they think? Man, Baker Mayfield's going to go yeah. in there with his hair on fire, and he's going to have something to prove, and that's a pretty good roster around him, especially with that defense. Man, he has struggled to start this season for Carolina. Struggled big time. Now, just ignoring the fact that he doesn't do very well when he plays against Kyler Murray. Just looking at the three games for Baker so far, it has been a real struggle to start the season. Yeah, there's no question, and they were very much counting on him, and and it's the number one concern is the Panthers' passing game. He's completing just 51.9% of his passes. He's got 550 yards with only three touchdowns and one interception in three games. Plus, Burns, he's been sacked nine times. Nine times he's been sacked, so they're getting after him. Now, the Cardinals don't have much of a 
pass rush, but you know Baker's been holding on to the ball a lot. They're not really converting on third downs. They're only 27% on third downs. That's 30th in the league. So his quarterback rating on third downs is terrible. It's 45.6. So he's really struggled. And, and, and because of that, they're really struggling to get their offense going. He's getting sacked a lot. They're not doing well on third downs. And it's led to a pretty dismal offensive performance so far. Yeah, so far. I mean, it's amazing to think that the only quarterback among quarterbacks who have started every game, the only guy who he ranks ahead of when it comes to completion percentage is Justin Fields. And he's been miserable to start the season. The Bears Bears passing game has been miserable to start the season. That's the only one Baker Mayfield's got a better completion percentage against. In fact, this is how bad... And And the Bears somehow have two wins. Yeah, the Bears are Averaging seventy-eight yards passing per game, and they're two and one, and they're two and one. <laughs> Where, whereas the Panthers have the second worst yeah. passing attack in the NFL, and that's double the yards per game at one hundred and sixty-one. Yeah. yeah, it's been bad. It's in how how the Bears are two and one is. I mean, the game won, won on a f- the Trey Lance game, the rain game, the rain game. Trey Lance couldn't do anything in that and rain the against the 49ers. They played the Texans. They played the Texans and they won on a field goal at the end of the game. Yeah. And they had a great defensive performance by, uh, in that game. Roquan Smith. Three, three sacks? Was yeah, it three Roquan sacks? Roquan was everywhere that game. Yeah. He had three sacks in that game. Yeah. So. so he had a great performance. And so, you know, you're able to win a close game against a bad team with a great defensive performance. Yeah. So now for the Cardinals, this is obviously, we, we did this a lot, you know, the last couple of years, the last two times Kyler and Baker Mayfield have played, and I, I believe, if I remember right, Baker's 0-2 against Kyler in his career. There's always sort of that, ooh, it's Kyler versus Baker, and they know each other, and Oklahoma quarterbacks, and Heisman Trophy winners, and former number one picks, and all that stuff. I, I don't know how much that resonates anymore. I mean, does that still... Did Kyler versus Mahomes resonate? Um... Only because it was a, expected to be a really good quarterback matchup. Not as much of a, the, the, any collegiate rivalries or any collegiate connections, more because it was thought, here are two of the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL, and they're squaring off against each other in week one. Not because of any college stuff, I thought. Well, just a cliff connection. Well, and that too, I mean, right? a cliff connection, you would think that's you know, there's something there, because, you know, because Mahomes played for Cliff, and then, you know, Baker with Oklahoma, you know, followed by Kyler with Oklahoma. So, you know, there's those, there's those, those connections between the three of them, for sure. But I, listen, I, I'm, I was kind of with you. Like, I'm not a Baker Mayfield hater. I think he's probably more in line as a Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins type of quarterback than he is. Listen, we, we talk about this all the time. There's three levels of quarterbacks in this league. You got your top 10 guys, which, you know, are dynamite and they could win for you any day of the week. And, and you got a chance to win a Super Bowl with those guys. There's the middle 10 guys. They're average. You know, they're okay. You need a good running game. You need a good defense and they can win and get you to the playoffs, but they're probably not going to get you a Super Bowl. And then you've got the bottom 10 guys who absolutely suck and shouldn't even be in a league. Okay? And that's what you get. I mean, I always break down the quarterback play as as far as three. I kind of put Baker in that middle ground. I think he's in that middle ground of guys that, you know, he's a middle-tier quarterback, and you can win some games with him. Look, he had Cleveland in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know, and then he didn't get his contract done, and that's what Kyler wanted to avoid. I don't want to avoid a situation like Baker, and then it all fell apart last year, and and Baker's out of there, and he ends up he ends up with the Carolina Panthers. But sometimes it really depends on where you end up. 
And, you know, like Ryan Tannehill left Miami, ended up in a good spot with a good coach in Tennessee and a good running game and a pretty good defense. And it's kind of, you know, you know, kind of rejuvenated his career and played well. And he's still not the guy that's going to get you over the hump there. But, you know, it was a good spot for him. Baker and Carolina, we'll see. I mean, we're three games in. It doesn't look good yet. But you got to give him more time to get used to the players. And the thing about it is, is, is if he can figure it out. I mean, given that he's a guy, talking about Baker now, with a history of, you know, taking a program like Cleveland to the playoffs. I mean, that was, you. we all remember the celebration around Cleveland when he took them there, right? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it was, a big, it was such a big deal in the NFL. And it was a huge deal. Remember what uh, I used to say? They haven't had a good quarterback since, like, Bernie, Bernie Kosar. Yeah, yeah. The last time they had a good quarterback was Bernie Kosar. Well, now look at that division. Uh, I mean, I'm telling you, after watching some of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers football, they're beatable. That you can, you can get them. Now, their defense is good. Their defense is really good. And they'll start getting guys back. And when they do, they'll probably get better. But Tom Brady, it just feels like it's going to be a very awkward Final season of his career, you know, yeah, if this, it does, it doesn't it. I mean, it it's does. Just, he's angry. He's yelling at guys. He, he, it, it, he it may just, have made a mistake coming back. It feels we'll like see. it, doesn't it? If he, if he goes out like that, not making the playoffs. Listen, it's not going to tarnish his legacy at all. I mean, what he's, he's the greatest quarterback that's ever played. But the thing is that I kind of like it, it's it's always hard to see the great players at the end when they really aren't good anymore. We've never seen Tom Brady not be good. So, I mean, we'll see what happens the rest of the season. I think he's still good now. But, you know, we've never seen him the way Steve Carlton at the end for, you know, right. pitching with four or five different teams and couldn't get anybody out. Or Willie Mays with the Mets. Or, you know, Franco Harris at the end of his career. Joe Namath with the with the Rams. Fra- was Franco Harris with, was it Seattle? Seattle. He was with Seattle. Franco Harris with Seattle. Like, some of the great players, like, oh, my God, the endings were just, the endings were brutal. The endings were terrible. And I don't know if we'll, you know, we'll get that with, Brady, or if, or if his ending will be more like, I mean, Joe Montana went to Kansas City. That was a pretty good ending. Took him wasn't to the bad. A couple times. Wasn't yeah. bad ending at all. Um, just trying to think of other guys who had pretty good endings. I mean, so you know, maybe he'll end up. Maybe he'll end up having a pretty good ending. Maybe he won't. Well, and he gets guys back. He gets Mike Evans back. He gets Chris Godwin back. And the whole point of me bringing up Tom Brady is that I thought that if Baker Mayfield can find another level of play closer to two years ago in Cleveland, I think that division is very winnable. I, I think that I think that division. Could could be wide open, to be honest with you, given the way Brady has struggled and the way they've really struggled to stay healthy in Tampa Bay. I, didn't I, we think New Orleans was the team? Now, weren't a lot of people high on New Orleans? A lot Orleans? of people were high on New Orleans, yeah. And and it appears, I mean, it's already, see, it, it's, we're drawing conclusions after, after three, three games. games and it's, I mean, who who knows? I know. I mean, I just gave my, my prediction. I got the Jaguars winning the Super Bowl right now. <laughs> Christian Kirk's unstoppable. I don't know why we didn't sign him and pay him $20 million a year. Uh, like, no, I mean, just, yeah, it's hard. Three games in, you make a lot of weird predictions. They're off to a good start, but Baker, if he can figure it out, and and certainly given the history of the Panthers and the Cardinals, as crazy as it might be, it has not been a history that has favored the Cardinals very well at all. Not in the last. I'm so shocked six by times. that. I know, I know. It's it doesn't make it's any crazy. Sense. I mean, it's the Carolina. It's not the Packers. Week four of Bix picks is underway. You can text the word pick to six twenty six twenty. Sign up, compete against Dan Bickley. It's your chance at the grand prize seventy five inch TV, courtesy of. Corona Extra. Weekly winners will also get an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. Again, text the word PICK to 620-620 to enter. Chris Paul had one of the longer off-seasons that he has had in a while. Has he had to go for him? You'll hear next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 
93.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. John Gambo, Dave Burns, hanging out with you on this Tuesday afternoon, live from the Auction Community Studios. Phoenix Suns getting ready for the upcoming season. The opener, I believe, is just three weeks away. Wow. Don't they play like uh, Australia coming up soon? I here? think like preseason exhibition yeah. basketball. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Andrew sure. Gaze in Australia. Big day for uh, Jock Lawndale. Landale. As, oh, that's uh, right. He's Australian. He's Australian. Yeah. He, he yeah. Had joked during media day that he was going to give Mikel Bridges a Vegemite sandwich and uh, see how he liked it or not. Andrew Gaze. I just looked it up. Andrew Gaze is 57. I don't think he's playing anymore. No, he might be coaching the team, yeah. but I don't think he's playing on that he's team. He's playing no. anymore. Um, speaking, speaking of older guys, Chris Paul. <laughs> Chris Paul isn't quite that old, but Chris Paul is certainly getting up there in age. He's going to be yes, 38 next May. And if you would, if you would ask me a week ago, that's ancient in sports. Really, 38 it sure is. If you'd asked me three days ago, yeah, what's the biggest X factor for the Suns going into the season? I probably would have said Chris Paul, and just can he hold up? Right? Like we've seen Chris Paul. I don't think there's any. I don't mean. I don't even know what would be a close second. Well, to be now it's DeAndre you. Ayton and Monty, and, and it's still Chris Paul. Is it though? still Chris Paul? To you? Still Chris Even Paul. after what's gone down the last 24 hours? I watched, you... I watched Chris Paul play awful basketball against the Dallas Mavericks. I saw him play a really bad game against. He had a great game against. He had a couple great games against New Orleans. Yeah. But I saw him get very frustrated. I saw him play one really bad game against New Orleans and then just get taken completely out of the Mavs series for the most part. Um, the age catching up to him for sure. I mean, it's not like you... It's not like you're going to get better. I think, you know, I think from talking to a lot of coaches and players around the league, you know, that just when you get to the playoffs and you got to play every other day, and the Suns very rarely got one of those three-day breaks. I think they got one. But everything, you know, if you look at the Suns' schedule, it was like every other day you played. And a lot of players don't consider that, you know, like that 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 in-between day is like a real day off because, you know, there's always travel involved and stuff. So um, I think that caught up to Chris. I think having to play every other day, I think that that caught up to him in the playoffs after what was a long season. So I don't know. I mean, I think that's still like to me, the number one thing is at some point, Chris Paul's not going to be able to deliver. And when that happens, you know, then the Suns are in a boatload of trouble. I just got this DeAndre Ayton thing on the brain. I know. Yeah, I know. I can't shake it. I I mean, it's it's just I'm I'm just thinking about how shocked I am that he and Monty haven't had a conversation since game seven. Does it change the way you think about whether He'll be here in January. Um, Remember their first uh, their first game. Their first game is a nationally televised game against the Brooklyn Nets on the day that he is allowed to be traded. Which, by the way, it was very interesting reading Kevin Durant's comments from Nets Media Day about I saw that. Yeah. yeah, about how he's he's like, no man, they I'm I'm good. It's hard to trade a guy like me. I get it. I understand. It's it's not easy to make a trade for a guy like me because teams have to give up so much. So I'm I'm glad I'm here. I'm, Kyrie's like, I lost a hundred million dollars. Ooh, that's a lot of money. We'll talk about Chris Paul in 30 seconds. Yeah. Here's the thing with Aiton and trading him is that in order for you to maximize return on a trade for him, he's got to play really, really well the first few months of the season. And if he plays really, really well, don't you want to keep him if you're the Suns? Like if he comes out and yeah. he balls yeah. and he plays great and you're the Suns, you're like, okay, he's playing great, but I don't want to trade you now. You're playing great. This is this is the guy we want. So it's a really tricky prospect. It's a tightrope for the Suns. Yeah. You're walking a tightrope. Back to Chris Paul. Okay. Um, he was asked yesterday during media day if there's anything he regrets about the math series and how it ended. Not really. Honestly. Um I haven't thought about it too much. At some point, I'll probably um, 
get back to like watching the, the film, maybe watching it, maybe not, you know what I mean? But uh, I hate to keep saying the same thing over and over, but for me this summer it was like putting that time in with, 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 with my family. Resting, yeah. putting the time in with the no, family. No, just get away from it. Clear your head, get away from it. I think he did the, exactly the right thing at his age. Listen, there's only listen. There's, there's not very much that Chris Paul can learn at this point. You know, I mean, he's 38 years old. He's been in this league for what 18 years or something. It's like there's not a whole lot that's going to get by him. He knows what he has to do to get his body ready. He knows what he has to do to get his mind ready. He knows the competition. You know, I don't think we need to say, oh, why was Chris Paul not working out every single day and trying to get better? He'll be fine. Like he'll be fine. He's a good player. Um, he'll be fine. I do think there's going to be a point when he takes a step back and maybe that's this year. Yeah. Maybe we, you know, maybe this, maybe the playoffs last year were the start, the, the sign of things changing a little bit. We talked a lot about how, boy, they if they could get that really good backup point guard, you can now limit the amount of minutes on Chris. You can limit the amount of games. You can really try to salvage him and kick, you know, get him ready for the playoffs. And, you know, that, that was an option. But I think that's the right thing to do for him, man. Get away. For all of those guys, I mean, you got to have a life too. Get away from basketball for a little bit spend some time with your loved ones and you know you can get ready for basketball now yeah and remember and i'm not trying to make excuses for chris um or for any of them but remember last year was a really weird off season for all of them because the season was pushed back and they had played the nba finals because they had played in the nba finals and so the off season started late and then they wanted to start the regular season on time so the off season for chris and everybody it was very very short now having said that as much as i'm glad he got a full off season and I'm glad he reconnected with his family and I'm glad physically he's in a good place. I'm going to worry about Chris Paul all season long and it's for the reason you said at some point during the offseason after they got bounced by the Mavs. Chris Paul had a five-week layoff in the middle of the season with that hand injury. He should have been fresh. should have made him nice and fresh and ready to go for the postseason. Right. And he still wore down. He still got tired at the end. He still was gassed at the end of that match. Remember, I'll never forget I, I I swear, as long as we're doing this, I'll never forget. Suns are up two games to none on the Dallas Mavericks. We think it's over. We, you and I are talking on and off the air like, man, if this is a sweep of the Mavs, we're going to come in here Monday and we might not be able to talk about the Suns for a week because they're going to be sitting around waiting. I said the Mavs were, were playing chess with a bunch of pawns and a queen. Right. And that Friday... Okay, Chris Paul turned 37 years old. Yeah. It's game three in Dallas. He had been, in the words of many, the best player in the NBA in the playoffs up until that point. He had looked great, mostly against New Orleans. He had a couple off games, but for the most part, he carried the Suns in that series against the New Orleans Pelicans, right? You go into that Friday night game three against Dallas, and he just got, it's like he turned into an old man overnight. It just like happened that quick and he never found it and he never got it back and there was never that burst ever out of him. And I'm just worried that despite the normal offseason and despite the reconnection and despite everything about Chris trying to get back to normal, that at the end of the season... He's going to be a 38-year-old guy, and it's going to start to show, and I just don't know what you can do to avoid that, even if you give him days off and limit his minutes and try to protect him a little bit during the regular season. He had five weeks last year where he didn't do anything. It didn't seem to make much of a difference. I'm really worried about this one. So in the New Orleans series, they played on the 17th, the 19th, then the 22nd, 24th, 26th, 28th. So all of those games, only once did they have a break that wasn't just every other day. 
Then against Dallas, they played on the 2nd, the 4th, the 6th, the 8th, the 10th, the 12th. So the first one, two, three, four, five games were all every other day. And then they played on the 15th at home and they lost. And that was when they had the one extra rest. So that you're talking about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven times they played in the playoffs. They played every other day. Yep. I, there's a reason that Chris Paul went from scoring 22.3 points to 13.4. There's a reason that he went from having 11.3 assists to 5.7. Part of it is Dallas absolutely making adjustments. The other part is played 11 times we was just back to back I mean it wears you out after a while and I just don't know if there's anything they can do to prepare him or themselves for that happening again I no, just, I just don't know if there's anything a, you, you have can to have do. a better backup point guard just in case he can't get it done yeah in the playoffs um, yesterday he talked about how he prepared himself physically or mentally for the upcoming season just worked all summer long you know tried to you know it's balance I think that's what we all trying to find you know work balance life balance family Family balance and uh, through that, it's probably one of the coolest summers because uh, little Chris got to work out with me uh, a lot this summer. So just you know, try to make sure that I can be the best player for our team coming into the season. So that was my biggest focus. Listen, the life just a life thing. I think that's one of the most challenging things that people deal with work-life balance sure of course. and you know especially you have a career you know work-life balance is an extremely difficult thing to balance it's hard so when with chris saying that you know work-life balance i mean so got away from the game spent some time with his family you know hopefully recharge the batteries ready to go i mean he knows like the end is near he knows this could be his last year in the nba it's possible that this is his last year next year is a partially guaranteed contract but not a fully guaranteed contract so he should have Approach this as this might be my last shot. And make no mistake, when he's right, he's still one of the best players in the NBA. It's just the fear that at the end, he's not going to be right, and there's nothing the Suns can do to make sure he's going to be right at the end because he's because of his age, and it's just done of why. And I don't know, maybe this is the year they figure out a way around it. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, NFL Week Three is in the books. What is fact? What is fiction? What have we learned about the NFL after three weeks? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. So what if uh, the first three weeks of the NFL season are... The proof, it's going to be what, Jacksonville and Miami in the AFC Championship game? Yes. Yeah, and the Eagles. And the Eagles winning Fly the Eagles. NFC. Fly. And, and Eagles-Jaguars. It'll be the Eagles-Jaguars meeting at State Farm Stadium yeah. in Super Bowl 57. In a few Peterson months. going up against his former team. That's right. That's right. Christian Kirk. Yeah, yeah. Trevor Lawrence. You know, another rookie quarterback making the making the Super Bowl. It's, it's three weeks. It's just three weeks. I always thought Trevor Lawrence was going to end up being good. Yeah, there are. I did believe Trevor Lawrence I, was going to be good. I was watching some of that game over the weekend. Oh, no, it was a highlight show. I'm sorry, it was a highlight show I was watching. And they were like, can you believe that the Jaguar organization gave him Urban Meyer to be his first ever head I coach? Like, I mean, it's almost like derelict in their duty that they wouldn't have given him somebody who was 
you know, just a little more seasoned when it comes to quarterback play and offensive play and helping along a kid like that as opposed to just giving him Urban Meyer and all the mess that followed like that. But in the first three weeks of the season, I mean, there, there, there's no doubt that the three teams people are talking about the most and trying to figure out how real they are, how good they are, are the Miami Dolphins, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's, let's start with the Jaguars. There's, uh, there was a good little piece, I think, on NFL.com, Fact or Fiction. And one of the questions was, the Jags can win the AFC South. They beat down the Chargers. They're 2-1. and one. They're in sole position of first place for the first time since 2004. Trevor Lawrence looks fantastic. Christian Kirk looks like one of the best free agent pickups, regardless of the amount of money they spent on him. Um, him and Zay Jones have been terrific together. So you look at this, you look at this Jaguars team and they're scoring points and the defense has been really good. They've allowed just 10 points over the last eight quarters of football. You know, the division's not very good. Can Jacksonville win the AFC South? Look, the, you just, what you just said a second ago, the division is not very it's good. It's not very good. And the division is not very good. The, the, that division is, it, it's, and congrats to the Colts. They got a little help from Chris Jones in that game. Boy, they really did. They, huh? they really, really did. Um, but the Colts aren't off to a great start. The Texans are going to be the Texans. The Titans are a bit of a mess right now, though they got their first win of the season over the weekend against the Raiders, who are shockingly 0-3. Yes, they can win that division. Okay, I'm going to say no. You don't think they can? I just don't. I think that those are, I think that Tennessee's better. I just think that Tennessee's the better football team. I mean, so I think that, you know, I think that's, listen, the schedule's not you know, great. I mean, they got to, so they got to play Philly this month in October. They got to play Philly. They got to play at the Colts. They got to play the Broncos. Um, they got a game against Kansas City in November. Then they got to play, got to play Baltimore. They got to play at Tennessee. They got to play Dallas. I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I, that's one that I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon. I think Tennessee's the best team. I think they'll, they'll end up beating out Jacksonville. I was just saying they can. I'm okay. not saying okay. they will. I'm saying they're, they're capable, certainly, of winning that division. Will they? I mean, I always thought Indy was going to win it. To be honest with you, because wow, I really okay. like Jonathan Taylor, and I thought Matt Ryan was going like to have Ryan. a little bit of a renaissance there in Indianapolis. It hasn't totally happened yet, but I certainly think they're capable of winning that one. Which one do you want to go to now? Let's, the go to the, let's go to the Eagles. Okay, let's go to the Eagles. Absolutely. Team that's going to be here in town in a week and a half playing the Arizona Cardinals. And, they're, and they look legit. Jalen Hurts looks legit. Yeah, he is. He, he looks great. I mean, he's been spectacular. I mean, he's having a big season right now for them. They had an easy he went over Washington. He shredded them for 340 yards and three touchdowns. You know, he's in his you know, third year, so he's kind of got it down now. And then you look at A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and the weapons that he has. And you look at that team. And I watched the Giants and the Cowboys last night with Cooper Rush as the quarterback. I mean, the Giants should have won that game, uh, and they didn't. I mean, those teams are no good. I think part of it, listen, I think the Eagles are much better. I think they did. You know, and they were the team that was probably the most improved team in the NFL. FC with what they did in the offseason. But I also look at that division. Dallas is no good. The Giants are no good. Washington's no good. They might run away with this division. They could. Well, the division, it's kind of the same thing the Jags are facing, right, in their division. That division is very, very winnable, but I think it all comes down, quite frankly, to Jalen Hurts. And there were some people, and I would count myself among them, as people who didn't 
trust Jalen Hurts, didn't believe Jalen Hurts could be the guy. So far, he has been very much the guy for and he's that got team. A, did you see the size of his offensive line? Yeah, they're huge. He's got the biggest offensive line maybe in the history of the game. I mean, they're gigantic. Yeah, yeah. Huge offensive line. He, and he's got a, a great running game at his disposal. The A.J. Brown acquisition was perfect for them in that regard. Yeah, it's it's he's in a... I didn't... It was it, it, much like the Miami Dolphins. That was, and I know we're going to transition to them in a second. That was a team to me that kind of had like a 49ers syndrome to it. Like, like I like the rest of the roster. Yeah. Is the quarterback good enough to take them where they want to go? But then, but then look and, at those three teams. Who did, who's Miami's best wide receiver? It's, it's, it's Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, of course. Who's Jacksonville's best receiver now? Jacksonville's Christian Kirk. And who's the Eagles' best AJ receiver? AJ Brown. All three of those teams went out and got receivers. Yeah, all three of those teams went out and got. I need a number one receiver. Well, I gotta have one. Okay, since since we're gonna bring up the Dolphins next, there's something else those three teams have in common. All right, and if you think about it for a second, it, it might ex- new coaches. Nope, Jacksonville's got a new coach. Miami's got a new coach. That's a, I look at that guy all the time. I think he's my he's my science teacher, Mike McCarthy. Like he doesn't look <laughs> well, like he just Mike looks McCarthy. like my um, science yeah, teacher. Yeah, he um, no rookie quarterbacks. Rookie quarterbacks on rookie contracts. Money to spend elsewhere. Okay, they're not rookie quarterbacks. They're just quarterbacks on rookie contracts. Quarterbacks on rookie contracts, all right? Yeah. So, Tua's relatively cheap, and Trevor Lawrence is relatively cheap, and Jalen Hurts is relatively cheap. There's a real benefit to have. We saw it with Joe Burrow last year in the Cincinnati Bengals. We saw it to a certain extent with the Chargers and Justin Herbert last year. We saw it with Kyler last year on the 10-2 and start by the Cardinals. A quarterback on that cheap deal. It's part of the reason why it's believed the Seahawks were looking to move off of Russell Wilson before they had to pay him the big contract. Because there's this belief, if you've got a good quarterback on that rookie level deal, you can pay everybody else everything you want because you've got cost certainty when it comes to the quarterback position. It might be the biggest thing those three teams have in common. I mean, new coaches too, right? Mike McDaniel's new in Miami. The Sirianni guy's only been here for a year in Philly. And then Peterson, which I like, they're new, like they're new. Sure. Yeah. One of those coaches, I mean, only the Philly guys was there last year coaching that team. Peterson's not a new coach in the league, but he's new with Jacksonville. No, Sirianni, I mean, they were. McDaniel, I mean. They were pretty good last year, too. At least they they were starting to get pretty good. They were. They were nine and eight last year. Yeah. They were nine and eight last year. He did a pretty good job with them. And then, you know, you know, McDaniel, you know, whatever college courses he was teaching, you know, comes out of there and, (laughs) you know, decides to be an NFL coach. Coach. Hey, if you're good at it, what does it matter what you look oh, like? Yeah. Right? If you know if you know ball, you know ball. Doesn't matter. Remember Mark Tressman? How everybody thought? Oh, of course, yeah, he yeah. was a guy. The same thing. He looked like he was your science teacher, and he was. They, they thought he was going to be this offensive genius, which he wasn't. But uh, but no, McDaniel's doing a good job with them. All three of those teams have a lot in now, common. Now, they do. There's also a little bit of break tapping that has to go here. And, and I did this. I was curious about one in two teams making the playoffs a year ago. Okay, because the Cardinals started off one and two so I took a look at the NFL standings as of week three last year the Vegas Raiders were three and0 now they made the playoffs but they barely made the playoffs the Denver Broncos started three and0 they didn't make the playoffs the Carolina Panthers started three and0 
They didn't make the playoffs. Okay. There's a very kind of cautionary tale to be told about getting, I mean, it's, you'd rather start 3-0 and than not. I'm not saying you wouldn't. And, and Jacksonville's not 3-0, and but it's, we're kind of lumping them as in this conversation. I got three teams that started 3-0 and last year. And of course, there are others too. The Rams started 3-0. and The Cardinals started 3-0. and By the end of the season, the Cardinals were cooked. The Broncos never made the playoffs. The Panthers never made the playoffs. The Raiders did, but they were cooked. And by the time they got there, they didn't amount to much. It's not. The Raiders are cooked. Well, now the Raiders like, are cooked. They're done. Oh, that I was watching. Ned Don. I was watching some of that Titans Raiders game on Sunday. Yeah. thinking, man, I had no idea how big of a deal this game is. Like the loser's basically done. Yes, it was two zero and two teams yeah. playing. The loser of this game's basically out. That's it. I was, was reading, and not to beat on a dead horse, but I mean, it just, you know, they they did sign him to a you know fifty million dollar contract with thirty four million guaranteed. But they're saying um, Chandler Jones signed with Vegas as a free agent, leaving Arizona. Raiders are expecting a veteran pass rusher to create a dynamic duo with Max Crosby. While Crosby's held up his end, Jones has been shut out with zero sacks to his name. For a player who's recorded one hundred and seven half one hundred and seven and a half sacks and. 139 career contests, that's concerning. So what's the issue? You know, our opponent's scheming to neutralize him, or at 32, is he just slowing down? When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show. I haven't spoken one. Yeah. Yeah, no, I haven't spoken at all. Ever since the game. Haven't spoken to Monty. Uh-oh. That's next on the Burns and Gambo show.